Welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast, coming up. So I looked back at my childhood and all those photographs of me not fitting in and dressing up in very experiment, experimental outfits and my mother's clothes and crazy makeup and funky hair and all that sort of thing. I thought, no, I know. And I'd, I'd consumed magazines ever since I was little. You know, as a teenager, I'd eat them for breakfast. Every single magazine I knew, every cover to cover. I knew all the styles. I knew how you could put on your makeup. I knew everything. I think Just 17 was my favourite at one point. <laughs> it taught me everything I needed to know. And I thought, right, I'm going to do fashion. I'm your host, Danielle Collins, and I'm the world-leading face yoga expert, best-selling author of the book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, and creator of the international teacher training program, the Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method. 17 years ago, I healed myself from chronic illness, and I've spent the last 15 years teaching, sharing, and serving millions of people in person, on TV, and online to help them look and feel the best version of themselves. This podcast is about giving you simple, effective, natural tips and advice and sharing knowledge and insight from industry experts. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it on social media as it means so much if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast as it allows more people to feel healthier and happier naturally. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This is the Face Yoga Expert Podcast. Hello friends and a warm welcome back to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. I am super excited to be sharing another really lovely episode with you guys. This week we have got Miranda Holder who is a celebrity fashion stylist with a real interest in wellness and holistic therapies both professionally and personally. And this episode Miranda talks a lot about her personal journey, how her life completely changed after a very devastating car accident accident, how she struggled with Lyme disease and how she uses those experiences to feel happier and healthier and more positive. And before we get into this week's episode, I want to remind you about my brand new book, which comes out on 28th of September 2021. So a little way off yet, but the great news is it's now available for pre-order. So you can pre-order on Amazon now and it'll get sent to you straight away at the end of September. And it is called The Face Yoga Journal. I'm super excited. It's such an interactive book, gives you space to record your face yoga. It gives you lots of wellness tips. It encourages you to think about your well-being, your life, your gratitudes, lots of affirmations in there, guides you through information on crystals and colours and mantras. I know you guys are going to love it. It's a perfect complement to my first book. It works great standalone, even if you haven't got my first book as well, because you have 52 brand new face yoga exercises, one per week over the journal. And remember, you can start the journal at any point in the year as well. So when you get it in September, you can get started right away. So the link to pre-order that is in the show notes. But let's get into this week's episode with the lovely Miranda. Miranda, a very warm welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I I am fine. I'm speaking to you from a very wet and windy Hampshire and I don't have double glazing. So if you hear some sort of banging and rattling in the background, it's my windows giving in to the the buffeting they're getting from the wind at the moment. (laughs) 
<laughs> I understand completely. We had such a storm here in Bath last night. Um, oh, you're in Bath. Oh, gorgeous. Bath. Love, love Bath. Yes, Bath is very lovely. And there's so <laughs> much I want to chat to you about, Miranda, on this podcast. And I thought a really nice place to start would be to talk a little bit about your journey. I know that you've been interested in fashion and you've been in the TV industry for years, but I know that there's been a few significant events in your life which has sort of changed your direction a little bit. Yes, there have. I've had quite a journey, really. I mean, who hasn't? But it's been, for me, it's been quite a a twisty and turny path to where I am now. But that's fun because it makes it quite exciting. I suppose going right back, sort of at school and things at primary school and when I was a teenager, I didn't ever really fit in with my fellow friends. I couldn't, I didn't ever really find my tribe. I was always quite kooky, a little bit different, very creative, but didn't really know that at the time. So I always was always sort of searching for something more. And it wasn't until I moved to London and went to drama school, actually. So I went to Middlesex University and then I went to RADA. I studied acting, that I initially sort of found myself and found my stride and realised that I just was a very creative, sort of artistic type of person. I needed to express myself. I needed to be quite dramatic. I'm very, very passionate. And I just felt that I could really fully embrace that. Whereas up until those years, sort of my early 20s, I was always trying to be someone else really and trying, oh, there's my crock crawl. I don't know if you caught that on the <laughs> We said earlier, didn't we? I I don't live on a farm, but I do have three rescue chickens and and a cockerel called Donald Trump who likes to get in on the action whenever I'm doing the podcast. So if you hear him in the background, he just wants in. He wants to be a star, bless him. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Just let him be, I say. (laughs) Yeah, he'll probably get closer and louder. So I just thought I'd pre-warn all the lovely listeners straight away. Sorry, I've I've got slightly off topic already. Um, But yes, so didn't really fit in, got to drama school, had a fabulous time, you know, really felt that I had found myself and it was okay to be myself. Whereas I'd always previously just totally tried to sort of fit in. Did acting for a while and absolutely loved it. Did uh, theatre, lots of Shakespeare, sort of national tours, bit of telly, all that sort of thing. Wonderful. Then threw it all out the window and fell in love, met a man, moved down to beautiful Hampshire and became a, a mother to two gorgeous children who are absolutely amazing. But then found myself back in square one again, really. Threw myself into motherly life and being the perfect housewife and all those things, but actually became quite frustrated and quite unfulfilled and quite depressed. And I've sort of really realised this about myself as life has gone on, that I need to be in a creative role. I need to be expressing myself and actually making people happy, sort of artistically, creatively to uh, just to be in my flow and feel satisfied as a person. But I'm very grateful for what happened next, which was a very significant car crash. My husband and I, we'd, we'd had a nice weekend away. My feet were up on the dashboard. I had my shoes kicked off. We were driving home from a, a romantic weekend and it was that funny half light. My husband was driving and the van in front of us there, the brake lights weren't working. And to cut a long story short, we went into the back of them 
only at 40 miles an hour, but it was enough to set off to trigger the airbags, which go off, I believe, at something like 180 miles an hour. So very, very fast. And my feet were crossed on top of the the front passenger seat dashboard. So the airbags propelled my feet into the windscreen, into the safety glass, which didn't smash at 180 miles an hour. And my feet were in absolute smithereens. The bones were, I had multiple, multiple or numerous breaks, dislocations, extensive nerve damage, but my feet looked completely normal. I had no idea that I was ill or that damaged. The car was filling with smoke, I remember. And Justin, my husband, screamed at me to get out of the car ASAP because we didn't know it was going to blow or not. It was all quite scary. And I just remember putting my feet on the floor and then trying to put some weight on them to move out of the car. And then the pain, I guess the adrenaline stopped slightly and the pain hit the brain. And I realised that I was in incredibly bad, dire straits. So sort of fast forward from, I had a very, very, very bad luck with the NHS who are fabulous. I'm not looking at the NHS, but it was just a catalogue of errors one of those things, it was a, a Sunday afternoon on a particularly busy, busy day in intensive care. And my case wasn't handled right. Just one of those things. There should have been a full crash team waiting, but they basically didn't comprehend what was wrong with my my feet because they were all looking quite normal. So it took them a long time. I remember being put in and out of consciousness while they were trying to sort of scan and x-ray and work it out. And I actually remember while they were doing that, there was a junior doctor that actually stopped and screamed at everyone. And he said, everyone, stop what you're doing now. Can't you see? She in huge pain and we're getting it completely wrong. And I just sort of remember drifting into consciousness thinking, oh my God, you know, it's a circus. What are they doing to me? And they didn't discover the extent of my injuries for about four weeks. So I was in hospital for, for a few months and they'd fix one thing and I'd still be in huge pain. And then I'd go for another x-ray and they'd find either another dislocation or another break. It, it got a bit ridiculous. And then further down the line, when I got home, I was in a wheelchair for months and months. They discovered that I had extensive nerve damage and had, I had to have further operations about a year later as my nerves were tethered and severed, which is why I was still in extreme pain. They told me that I'd never walk again. They told me that I'd never dance again, wear high heels, go running, all those things that I, I loved. And I was on extremely strong pain medication just because they couldn't ever really find the crux of what was wrong or they kept finding new things. You know, we never got to the, the the full extent of my injuries. It took so long. My children were really young. They were four and six at the time. And my son seemed to cope better uh, with it, Jack, who was the eldest one. But I know that my daughter, Lily, it really has affected her. Um, I hope that we've worked through that now. But I was so off my face on drugs and nerve medication can be hideous. It can really mess with your mind, as can the pain, not to mention the morphine that I was on on sort of max, max, max doses. I I famously would be blogging, if you like, on Facebook or talking to my Facebook friends in the middle of the night, recounting my hallucinations because there were just things would morph into other things in the middle of the night. And, you know, I was I was just off with the fairies, but not in a good way. And when my children were brought to see me, I would scream for them to go because instantly my daughter, who just needed me, Lily at four, 
would burst into tears, A, at the sight of me, and B, because she wanted a cuddle. And I wouldn't, I couldn't cope with it. I just couldn't compute. And I couldn't, my my brain couldn't cope with the noise. So I, and they had such short visits. And I still, I don't feel bad about that anymore. I've forgiven myself for all of that. But, you know, for a while, I felt so guilty for that because... Once I had recuperated, poor Lily had huge separation anxiety for quite some time, very understandably, because her mum had just been taken away and it was for months. I got very addicted to all the painkillers, not surprisingly. I was on quite some cocktail. I had a pain team assigned to me that I'd meet with regularly and we were just trying all sorts of new things just to try and come to terms with it. And for a while, I gave up on on life, really. The prognosis was very bleak. I was told that I wouldn't walk again and I was, I'd be limited for, in a wheelchair. And I just thought, well, what is the point? I, I'm going to stay in my happy place and keep swigging the aura morph, the morphine from the bottle and, you know, stay on opiates and just let everything go fuzzy and, and not accept this, this new reality that I've been given. But I'm very grateful and thankful that... One day, and I don't really know, there wasn't anything in particular that triggered it. I woke up and I just thought, no, this is not my lot in life and I'm not going to accept this and I'm not going to be a victim any longer. And I'm not going to accept that I'm going to be confined for a wheelchair for the rest of my life either. I'm going to, I'm going to fight this. So I had a very close friend at the time who was a GP who was incredibly supportive, but she thought I was bonkers because all of a sudden, I researched every alternative and complementary therapy going because the the medical diagnosis was so bleak. They just keep they kept wanting to operate and they and and all the news was negative. So I thought, right, you can't help me. I'm going somewhere else. And I tried all sorts of things from Reiki to nutrition to rolfing to Bowen technique to I mean, you name it, I tried it. And slowly I began to get slightly healthier. I had to do a huge detox from the painkillers and all the drugs that I was on, which, as you can imagine, was fairly substantial and and certainly not bumpy. What goes up must go down. And I was on the ceiling with the morphine. So I had to come right back down again, um, coming off of that. And that was a whole other thing in itself, really. And then I found also a wonderful physiotherapist. By fate, I believe, I went to see a specialist or specialist after specialist in London on feet and ankles. And everyone said, no, 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 can't help you. You need another operation. You need to have an amputation. We wanted to amputate your leg from below the knee, which was obviously not what I wanted. And one person said, look, I think you need an amputation. But as one last chance, if anyone's going to fix you, it's this guy from Madeira who has got a great reputation curing the the incurable. Go, Go and try him. And I remember meeting Andre, who actually now is a a firm friend and currently in our bubble and living with us actually in our house, which is hilarious how things work out, isn't it? And I went to meet him and the first time I saw him, I knew that he wasn't any kind of regular physio. I remember telling my husband afterwards that he played my foot and my leg like an instrument in terms of finding all these little tiny, tiny pressure points all up and down and looking at the nervous system and the veins and the arteries and all sorts of really subtle, tiny things. And it was working with Andre twice a week. I had four hours with him every week for months and months and months. I went from a a paralyzed foot because it had become completely paralyzed. I couldn't move my toes. I couldn't move my ankle to fast forward running again 
wearing high heels. I still have a little bit of a limp sometimes and I have to be careful. Some shoes are a little bit uncomfortable, but you know what? I am not in a wheelchair and I've got both legs, (laughs) which to me is an utter, utter triumphant win. And I fought so hard for that battle. There were many times that I had to tell the medics who were pushing for more operations, in fact, that I didn't want to do that. I wanted to continue on my holistic healing journey. And in fact, Andre even came with me to see one of the surgeons to explain why he didn't think I needed this operation. So it was a real uphill struggle. And when I got to the end of it, I promised myself that having been trying to fit in again, once again, as a mum and not being fulfilled creatively, but I wasn't going to throw any more of my life away. I was going to live life to the full and just go for it. So the first thing I did was study naturopathic nutrition because I felt that there was a whole world of complementary therapy and holistic healing modalities that was well, fairly unknown to me, but also the nutrition side of things was so fundamental to my recovery. I spent a great couple of years at the College of Naturopathic Medicine studying that, which was wonderful and very informative. I will say um, along my journey that I got very poorly again and discovered that I had chronic Lyme disease, just to add in, which I believe had been triggered by the accident because some of these illnesses and autoimmune type conditions, not that Lyme is autoimmune, can lie dormant for a while and then, you know, get triggered by something very traumatic. So I think that's what happened. And looking back at my history, I'd had it as a child because I'd always been quite tired and not had any stamina, etc., etc. So I had that on my plate as well, but it wasn't going to let, it wasn't going to stop me. I just learned to deal with it and manage it as best I can. And once I'd got all my sort of ducks in a row with my health, I got to the end of my nutrition course and thought, oh, it's really fascinating and I love all of this, but actually I'm not sure it's me and it's definitely not creative or artistic enough. So I looked back at my childhood and all those photographs of me not fitting in and dressing up in very experimental outfits and my mother's clothes and crazy makeup and funky hair and all that sort of thing. I thought, no, I know. And I'd, I'd consumed magazines ever since I was little. You know, as a teenager, I'd eaten for breakfast every single magazine. I knew every cover to cover. I knew all the styles. I knew how you could put on your makeup. I knew everything. I think Just 17 was my favourite at one point. <laughs> it taught me everything I needed to know. And I thought, right, I'm going to do fashion. And uh, so I, I'm actually quite a late comer into the fashion industry. And I went and did a course at, I got accepted into Central St. Martins, which is a, a really great place to go. I went to do, did a course in fashion styling, loved that, thought, great, sky's the limit. Fast forward a little bit. It's been a fantastic journey. I have an editorship at a couple of magazines. I'm now a celebrity stylist. I style A-listers. I've worked with Little Mix, Boy George, Vanessa Williams. I've worked with many up-and-coming recording artists. I've done film premieres. I mean, really, really exciting stuff. I do fashion shoots, which are great. So that's styling the looks for the magazines. When you see big, dramatic fashion shoots from magazines, I've done those, which is loads of fun. I will say, they do say never work with children or animals. And I've had some very memorable ones with some horses at a polo field when it was very windy and the horses ran off and the model almost fell off. you know, I've got lots of lovely anecdotes that make it far more interesting. And I do personal styling and I style normal people like you and me, men as well. 
and help them to find their vavavoom and feel fantastic. And that's probably the best part of my job is working with real people. Although I love it all, I love the variety, I love the creativity, I do a lot of television as well. Even though I haven't been doing it comparatively for that many years, you know, probably five years or so now, I've, I've been very successful in a very short space of time. And I believe it's because I finally found my flow and what I'm meant to be doing. So I think that my whole life, if you like, has sort of built up to this moment. I've gone through a lot of stages of depression and hardship and not fitting in and, and really feeling like an outsider or not being in the right place at the right time. And finally, I feel like I really am. And I absolutely love what I do. I spend a lot of time on social media as well, which is where we met. I love the Instagram community. It's just, I have the best followers ever. And I love to give and share my tips and life experience and the hilarity of this house that I live in for, you know, all the animals in it and things with the lovely community. And I feel very fortunate to be here now, I've, I think I'm very lucky. Uh, it's been a tough old time. I've had a, a big Lyme disease relapse actually this year, which slightly threw me a, a bit of a curveball because I thought I was on a roll and everything was going in the right direction. I had my sights set here and I was off. I was manifesting my future and it was all happening and lining up. And then boom, since Christmas, that was it. Oh no, Miranda, you're going to have an, a little Lyme disease setback. And it was probably the biggest one I've had. I do know when it's up because I get more tired and that's my main symptom. There are many others. I also get some really bad skin rashes and have a lot of musculoskeletal issues. So my bones move around and get very uncomfortable. But the principal one really is just exhaustion and not being able to get out of bed. So in some ways for me, I'm very lucky because Lyme disease can be really, really hideous and sinister for a lot of people. And I think comparatively, I've got away with it quite lightly. But it's interesting that I've had this setback because I thought I was all fine and it was all hunky-dory. So for a while this year, I was pretty angry and fed up. I'm going to be honest. You know, I was, I'd done all of the suffering, I thought, and I'd got to where I wanted to be. And I was on my, on my roll and it was all going really well. And then boom, you know, you, you can't get out of bed. I've been in bed for weeks. I was really miserable and quite bitter for a while, I have to say. Uh, I did go there, despite everything that I practice and preach on social media and believe about living positively and being grateful and spreading the light and all that stuff, living in the light, which I believe in entirely. You know, I, I got quite low. But again, I think that everything is sent to try us. And I've had a bit of a pivotal sort of moment in fact, it was only last week um, that I had this moment where the penny dropped and the, if, if you like, the clouds parted and, and the light has started to flood back in again. And it's like, oh, hang on a minute. All I've got to do is just surrender to this. It's, it's part of my journey. Perhaps I need to share more on my platform about Lyme disease because there's very little awareness or understanding of it in the UK. The treatment in this country is very behind if you compare it to Germany and America, where they're far more advanced than we are. And ultimately, it just makes me a stronger person and a more compassionate person. And you know what? I think really I was just working a little bit too hard because life is so exciting. And we were having this conversation, weren't we, earlier about 
trying to slow down a little bit and carve out some more time for ourselves. And it's so hard when you're working for yourself and you love what you do and everything's so exciting and you don't want to, you don't want to turn anything down. And then there's, there's this whole feeling of, actually, I sort of needed to do everything yesterday. And if I could cut myself into 10 people, uh, you know, it still wouldn't be enough to get everything done. And I've really been shown that lesson over these past couple of months that actually less is probably no not probably less is definitely, definitely more <laughs> you're so right it really is more and, and you know we we all need to learn that lesson we were talking about that earlier but your story is you know so inspirational from start to finish and one of the things well, there's lots of things I would like to really pull out from that but one of the key things I really want to draw on is first of all how amazing it is you found your passion now and you love yeah. helping real people to look good and feel good through styling and so secondly I want to ask you more about that in terms of what would be your top tip so if people are listening and thinking do you know what I'd really like to just rev up my style a little bit I'd love to really embrace myself feel good look trendy look fairly useful but also embrace who I am our listeners range from well right into their 20s right up to the 70s and 80s you know we have a a really range of people for myself I'm getting to to nearly 40 now and I'm always looking for tips and sort of techniques to help my own style too so if you were to give five general tips that we could all use just to rev up our personal style what would they be Okay, five. Let's try and keep it to five. It's going to be a challenge because <laughs> once you get me started, it's, it's Just very Just five key ones would be amazing. <laughs> okay. Just really actionable steps, you know, that people can take yeah. straight away. Absolutely. Okay, actionable steps. Number one, clear the decks. I don't know when... You obviously you, Danielle, last um, went through your wardrobe and your drawers and had to sort out, but creativity. And I believe that dressing well is a bit of an art form and though it is a creative process. You know, even if you like your neutrals and you like to dress quite conservatively or whether you like to be really flamboyant, it's still a creative process and you can't get those lovely juices flowing unless you have a nice, clean and organised setup in your wardrobe, in your drawers, so you can clearly see what you've got. It's good energy anyway. It's out with the old, you know, to make way for the new, a bit of feng shui, all of that stuff, not to mention giving your house a bit of a spring clean at the same time. So the number one actionable step would be to pull every single thing out, set time aside first, get it all on the bed, on the spare bed, wherever you can. And before you put things back in that wardrobe, and you can obviously do this with a personal stylist if you want to, but many people can't afford one and you honestly don't need one. You just need to watch people like me on Instagram, give us our tips and listen to things like this. You can do it yourself. Before you put it back in, you need to really be critical. When did you last wear it? With a few exceptions, you know, sometimes we want to keep the odd sentimental piece or there might be something that we're saving for a wedding or a specific, you know, your ski wear perhaps. But if you haven't worn it in the last 12 months, it should probably go in the no pile. If it doesn't fit, 
take it out of your wardrobe. If it needs mending, put it in a mending pile, go and get it mended. Be ruthless. If you're not going to get it mended, either throw it away or give it to, give it to charity. Be absolutely ruthless. So the things in your wardrobe, even if you keep the things that don't fit for another time, if you're going to lose some weight or put weight on or whatever, I'm one of those people. I sort of swing between three dress sizes. So I totally get that. But I don't have the stuff that fits, that doesn't fit me in my wardrobe because that's just cluttering the, the decks. Get them out and then you can see exactly what you've got and where the gaps lie. The second thing, so that's number one. The second thing I would say is to make time for your outfit planning and for your outfits, because we've all been there in the morning, yours truly included, when you're in a hurry, you know, the pressure's on, you're like, oh, oh, okay, not planned this. I'm going to grab this top and this bottom. Oh no, damn it. The shoes, the shoes don't work. You know, quick, try three pairs of shoes on. No, I don't want to, I don't know what coat to wear with it. And you're sort of running around, it's all getting stressful. And then you end up going out of the door not feeling comfortable or really happy because you haven't got a killer outfit and that is counterproductive to your mood your day everything because having the right set of clothes on is I truly believe a form of self-care because looking good does absolutely make you feel good it improves your posture raises your confidence and you will have a better day fact so look after yourself and carve out some time once a week, once a month to make some outfits, spend some time doing it, put some music on, have some wine, take some photographs of the ones that work and keep them on your phone so you can refer back to them. And then you'll never be in that situation again because you'll know which coat goes with that or which shoes go with that. That's number two. Two. Number three, <laughs> I hope they're not too long because it's, it's. I love these tips. <laughs> I'm thinking through at the moment, although I have quite a, a vast wardrobe. I don't know if you've ever seen my Instagram stories. I'm no. lucky enough now to have a, a whole room for my. Um, <laughs> So I have sort of like a a, a walk-in wardrobe, but I'm already thinking through things that maybe need to be passed on to charity. Um, Yes. Yeah, thinking through, I think it's really good. And like you say, it's great for the mind as well. Yes. Oh, it really is. Absolutely. And also we've all worn far fewer pieces over the last 12 months for obvious reasons, you know, COVID. So it's a really good time to be totally ruthless. And you probably find that your outlook and attitude has changed. Has changed. I've been really struggling to get into any sort of heel again, because I've just been living in trainers. And if, if I'm at home, I throw on my Ugg boots. You know, I, I, people think of me as sort of being glamorous and relaxing around my Hampshire house. But now I've got dogs, cats, chickens, and goodness knows what. <laughs> I'd like two donkeys as well. If I get my way, I will do. Um, so I can't I have to dress practically and I've been working from home obviously for the last year so trying to get back into my lovely dresses and my heels and things is taking a bit of a a bit of a push but it's great number three I would say think about color and using color cleverly in your wardrobe. So I really believe in the power of colour and getting your colours right. I'm not talking the Colour Me Beautiful parties that were really popular quite a few years ago. I think we've really moved on with that and there's a far more modern approach to colour now. But nevertheless, colour is incredibly powerful and transformative. Not only will it make you look fantastic, if you get the right colour, it's going to make you look younger, your skin is going to glow, you'll look fresher, your eyes will sparkle. If you get the wrong colour, all the opposite will happen you can look dug up. So it's really good to know which your your good and bad colours are. But also colour vibrates at a frequency, as does everything in this world, as does the earth, as do, as do we. So they can be really 
energizing. If you want to feel dynamic and energizing, you might want to wear orange or red. If you want to be sort of soothed and feel calming or you want to focus, you might wear blue or green. It's worth being aware of color psychology and the power of the frequency of color as well as which shades suit you and do not. And then you can start to incorporate it more wisely into your wardrobe. And what I always say when you're first starting is have your wardrobe made from 80% neutrals. So if you're, most people know if you're warm or cool toned. So if you can just establish that, because I know some people struggle at home with knowing their best colours and there's a lot of conflicting advice and opinions out there. I, I know that it can be a bit of a quagmire, but most people can tell if they're warm or cool, or you'll have a friend that can tell. So then build your wardrobe with sort of 70, 80% neutrals in either warm or cool tones. So if you're warm, you're going to be going with camels, chocolate browns, sort of a warmer navy, like a more marine navy, things like that, creams. And if you're cool toned, then it's going to be more your blacks, your greys, your taupes and the cool, and whites, the cooler tones. And then use that remaining 20% to inject your colour. And try to perhaps stick to one or two main colours. If you find a colour that you know really, really suits you, so a certain certain shade of red or orange or whatever it's going to be, pink maybe, if you build your wardrobe mostly around that, if you're cool, let's say you've got grey, white, black, and then you've got some shots of fuchsia pink because that looks fantastic on you, pretty much everything is going to go and blend with everything else without having to worry too much about it. And that's one of the ways that you can build a foundation capsule wardrobe and take some of the stress out of dressing. So it's good to just think about how you're going to use colour. I think that's probably three and four joined together. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) What would your fifth tip be? The fifth would be, well, trends, similarly with trends, I would say build your wardrobe with 80% classics. doesn't have to be boring, but just um, timeless pieces. So classics sort of sometimes conjures up twin set and pearls and, you know, really old fashioned bits and pieces, although of course they're going to come back around as fashion always does. But what I mean is they don't have to be expensive, but pieces that fit you really, really well and will work super hard for you and see you through a variety of occasions. So I always say, you want to get most pieces working for you in five different ways if you can, at least three, but ideally five. And if you want to get more inspiration on how to style things up, you know, for example, a brown blazer, go and get some inspiration. And there's so much of that around from, I mean, social media is incredible these days, Pinterest, Instagram, magazines, the old fashioned way, and have a little running, either a Pinterest board or a collection, you know, make yourself a scrapbook, whatever floats your boat, but have a bit of an inspiration board for this or somewhere that you can then go and refer to. So if you see a look that you like, that you think, oh yes, I could, I could do that with my brown blazer, then make a note of it because we forget these things. We're all running around. And once these few things are made easier and more sort of simplified for you, then fashion becomes or dressing becomes more of a pleasure. So 80% classics, 20% trend led or fun, if you like. It doesn't have to be trends. You don't have to follow the trends at all. But those fun pieces that might cost a bit less or just be a bit frivolous, that's the right sort of balance. And then I suppose as, as a little extra, I would just say, don't take it too seriously. Have fun with it. Fashion is meant to be fun. Dressing is meant to be fun. And 
in terms of fashion rules, at the end of the day, if you are happy and if you feel good, then you will look good. And please do not listen to anything that anyone else says. If you feel good, then you rock that look because you deserve it and and you're doing the right thing. I love that. And I love that none of those rules included things like if you're over 40, you can't do this or if you're over 50, because I feel like the media often feeds us that message. I still love a crop top. I'm always 40 and I still love that. And I just think to myself, do you know what? I'll wear that for as long as I feel good wearing it. And I think that that's so, so important. But I love all your tips. They're really practical they're really actionable. And I think all of us can have a little think through our wardrobe and think actually what is working, what isn't, and also have those tips in mind when we're next shopping. And I think one of the best things you said there is about taking the photos as well. You know, if we do have a little bit of time, we try on a few outfits, and actually if you take a photo, then it's super easy, you know, even keep it in a folder on your phone. And then you're yes. thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I've got an event tomorrow, I've got a meeting tomorrow, what can I wear? Just go back, grab those pieces out, and you're done. So amazing, amazing tips. And what I'd love to do just to finish off this lovely episode <laughs> is just to ask you if you've got any tips and this really combines your passion for fashion and for wellness really whether you've got any tips for us just to feel good within ourselves now this can be about our clothes or about our style or it can just be general wellness tips if you were to sort of share with us just a couple of things that we can do just to boost our mood to feel that sense of inner peace to feel well and happy what comes to mind when I say that That's a great question. And one thing that I've learned with this recent episode of of my Lyme disease is that I need to prioritise this even more. And it is all about the balance between work and wellness. And I've going forwards, I'm trying to work at about 50% rather than about 200% (laughs) that was possible. (laughs) And just carve out time for for some rest and some some me time. So so brilliant question and, and very topical for me. And one thing that I've been doing much more of, because actually I felt that I really needed to, and I felt so much better since, is is earthing and grounding more. So we are designed to be in physical contact with the earth, with the ground. And I touched on frequency earlier when talking about colour, and I'll, I'll go back to it now. The whole world vibrates at different frequencies. This is this is physics, quantum physics, science. It's not. It sounds woo woo, but it's 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 not. Although I love the woo woo, and and the earth's frequency is called the is known as the Schumann resonance, and actually. Incidentally, it's now I can't remember the numbers because I don't really do numbers. I do, I do color and shape and things like that, not numbers. But it's meant to, let's just say it's meant to vibrate at X. But recently, because there's been a lot happening astrologically and energetically, just in general, the human residence has been going up and down dramatically, sort of off the scale. And whether we realize it or not, we get really affected by this. It really does, it affects na- nature and it affects us. And there was an experiment done quite a few years ago where, God, which country actually, but they basically shut some men up or some people up in a sort of a sealed area for several days and shut them off from the human residence. From the, they found a way to disconnect them from the vibrations of the earth. And these people did not thrive. In fact, they got they very, very quickly became very, very poorly. 
So that was really, you know, that that's, if you like, a, a, quite an extreme experiment, but proof that we really need to be in touch with nature and in touch with the earth. So getting back to grounding, what I do um, every single day, as long as it's not snowing, is I take my, my shoes and socks off and I go outside and I stand with my bare feet on the grass or some stone or whatever is around occasionally. And I know I sound like a nutter. I hug a tree. Yes, I do. Yes, I, I admitted that. I love hugging a tree. I'm all for that. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I love hugging trees. And I recently introduced it to my daughter and she she loves it too. She didn't want to come away. They're, oh, just hug a tree, everyone. Honestly, it makes you feel so much better. So keeping in touch with nature and the earth and staying grounded and earthed, it's just how we're designed to be because we've come inside. We're all hooked up to computers. We're wearing shoes. We're in, you know, almost hermetically sealed houses almost. And we're shut away away from nature and we're, we're not met we don't thrive in those environments so just it's really helped me to disconnect and be more vital as a human being I've also bought an earthing sheet which I have under my bed sheet so at night I sleep on that and that also helps and I use various crystals for, for similar things too so earthing is is huge um, and the other thing that I love is something called heart coherence which is new to me but I, I love it. So I didn't know until recently that the, the heart has neurons, so brain cells, which is bizarre. And there's been a lot of research done into this. But if we connect our heart and our brains, then basically we live far more intuitively rather than that monkey mind taking over and controlling ourselves. And I'm a prime candidate for that. I'm in my head so much and just, well, far too much these days. But this has really, really helped. So go online and find, YouTube is great, a heart coherence meditation. There are gazillions. And it is the most beautiful meditation. I do it twice a day. There are loads of them out there, but it really puts you in a beautiful place of love and gratitude, opens up your heart and creates a great mindset from which to go about your day. And it, it's been wonderful. I don't miss it now. There's not a single day that I don't go through without doing two heart coherence meditations. So yeah, go and check them out. They're brilliant. Amazing. What beautiful tips. I just love all of those. Miranda, if people would like to connect with you, learn more about what you do, hear more of your wonderful tips, how can they do that? Thank you. Well, you can come and say hello at my website, which is www.mirandaholder.london. And then the biggest platform would be Instagram. There's also Facebook, which is Miranda Holder, LDN, short for London. And Twitter is Miranda Holder, LN. You can find me on all of those. Do come and say hello. Thank you, Miranda. Thank you for your amazing tips, your amazing wisdom and all your honesty as well. And I just wish you lots of love and I really hope that your healing process continues. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for listening, everybody. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.